Hello, friends. It's time for the second hour of Open Line with me, Dr. Michael Wright Helmick. I'm professor of Jewish studies and Bible and the academic dean at Moody Bible Institute. This is Moody Radio's Bible study across America. It's where Moody Bible Institute, in a sense, answers your questions about the Bible, God, and the spiritual life. If you have a question, give me a call. The phone number is 877-548-3675. Again, this, uh, the number here is 877-548-3675. You can always post your question by going to openlineradio.org and, and going to the place where it says, Ask Michael a Question. Fill out that form and your question will be added to the mailbag before we get back to the phones, I want to tell you about our current resource. I love co-editing the Moody Bible Commentary with my friend, Mike Van Lanningham. I use that commentary all the time. And there's parts of that commentary that remain especially helpful. Two of those are the commentaries on Psalms and Proverbs. We tend to turn to Psalms for comfort. But the Moody commentary on Psalms is also rich in helping explain how the Messiah is present in the Psalms. And the Proverbs commentary helps unwrap the mysterious riddles of the Proverbs. And that's why we've taken these two commentaries, the commentaries on these two books, Psalms and Proverbs, and made them a stand-alone book. And when you give a gift of any size to OpenLine, we want to say thank you by sending you a copy of the Moody Bible Commentary on Psalms and Proverbs. If you'd like to give a gift, all you have to do is call 888-644-7122 or go to openlineradio.org. And remember, when you give, ask for the Psalms and Proverbs from the Moody Bible Commentary. We're going to go to the phones now to Natalie in Akron, Ohio, listening on WCRF. Welcome to Open Line, Natalie. How can I help you? Yes, uh, I have a question. I wanted to know in Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 24, where it talks about backsliders and that uh, they shall die. There's My question is, I've heard uh, oftentimes, once you're saved, your salvation is sealed, and you cannot lose your salvation. But in Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 24, it talks about how uh, backsliders, because of their sin, shall die. And um, I looked it up in a, a commentary, and it says, die eternally. Which commentary? So uh, Matthew Henry, Complete Commentary on the Whole Bible. Okay, you need to get a Moody Bible Commentary. Because, uh, in fact, Matthew Henry is a classic, but he's not one of my favorites, to be honest. Uh, it's, even if there were no Moody Bible Commentary, sometimes we're better off if we don't read Matthew Henry. That sounds harsh, but that's so often he leads us in the wrong direction. If you look at Matthew, uh, Ezekiel 18.4, it says uh, that the person who sins is the one who will die. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Uh, it talks about this. It is the context of Ezekiel 18 has to do with temporal death. And so it's not saying 
that someone, a, a, an Israelite in the Old Testament who believes, would lose his salvation if he fell into sin. Uh, both blessing and judgment are what are in view here. And the judgment was physical judgment, physical death, not eternal separation from God. So let's say that you have an Israelite who uh, trusted in God, believed God, it was counted to him for righteousness, then lived his life in accordance with the Torah. And then what happens, he later turns to idolatry or immorality, thinking, I'm, I'm good, everything's fine, nothing's going to happen to me because I've trusted in the Lord. I've called on the name of the Lord, but now he's living his life in a way that is uh, an abomination to God. To think that that person won't die. So you come to uh, Ezekiel 18.24, and it says, But when a righteous person, that's a person who's trusted in the Lord, called on the name of the Lord, uh, and has been counted to him for righteousness, turns from his righteousness and practices iniquity, committing the same detestable acts that the wicked do, will he live? Is his life just going to go on like that, or will there be temporal judgment? None of the righteous acts he did will be remembered. He will die because of the treachery he is engaged in and the sin he has committed. This is talking about physical death, that God will discipline his followers and ultimately the ultimate discipline that he will follow if if a believer is rebelling against him, is to take that person home. Does that help, Natalie? So, so in other words, let me just, uh, for clarification, so in other words, you're saying in Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 24, that the debt is a physical debt, not a Yeah, not that's, a that's exactly what I'm saying. Damnation. It's talking about physical death, not eternal damnation. So a backslider, if a person was saved, they, they backslide, they're living in a pattern of sin, they're still, they still go to heaven? What I am saying is a person is not saved based on their works, but by grace through faith, Old and New Testament. And if a person falls into sin, God will discipline them. And ultimately, if they don't respond to the discipline, God may even bring them home. For, for That's why it talks about in Scripture that there's a sin that leads unto death uh, in First John. And uh, it's why uh, in First Corinthians 11, Paul talks about people who are taking the Lord's Supper unworthily, that some of you are sick and some have even uh, fallen asleep or died. So that's what I'm saying, that when a person is a genuine believer, I'm not saying God ignores their rebellious, backslidden sin. I'm saying he will discipline his children for that. Hebrews 12 tells us that. God will discipline even to the point of taking someone's life and bringing them home. That's what I'm saying. Because once a person knows the Lord, if they are a genuine believer, if they know the Lord Jesus today, uh, their sins are forgiven and they will, they, he will never let go of them. Okay, Natalie? Yes, yes. Um, okay. Uh, That's what I'm saying. You. And Ezekiel 18 is talking about physical death, not eternal damnation. So not eternal death like the uh, commentary 
like that mistaken yeah. commentary yeah. had. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I hope that helps. You know what? Let me do this. Uh, you uh, hang on because I would like to send you a better commentary. I'm going to send you a Moody Bible commentary. Uh, and, you know, if you're looking for help for understanding a verse, one of the best places to read about it is not just the Psalms and Proverbs edition, which we're giving away for a gift of any size, but the whole Moody Bible commentary. And I especially like the Ezekiel commentary because my wife co-wrote it, and uh, it's a really good uh, commentary. And uh, I think what's, what's great is you can get Moody Bible Institute professors, 30 of them, helping you understand the scriptures. That's what the Moody Bible commentary does. If you're listening and you think, I'd like that commentary, you can just go to our website, uh, to moodypublishers.com, or you can go to your favorite online bookseller, or you can go to a local Christian bookstore and pick up a copy of the Moody Bible Commentary. I'm sure you're going to benefit from it. And Natalie, I think you will too, so we're going to send it to you, okay? So you stick around. Thank you. I pre- uh, appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, Trisha, uh, we'll get your name and number, we'll send it, and your address, and we'll send it to you. Okay, thank you, Natalie. Uh, and we're going to... Uh, probably not take a break. I do want to mention, I, I, I know I mentioned it before, we're going to take a break in a moment, but before we do that, uh, we're not offering the whole Moody Bible commentary for a gift of any size, but we've got a great opportunity. I know I mentioned it already that you can get a copy of the Psalms and Proverbs of the Moody Bible commentary with a gift of any size to open line. So all you have to do if you're interested in doing that is call uh, the... Uh, the number here, which is 888-644-7122, or go to the website, uh, openlineradio.org, and uh, when you give a gift of any size, we'll send you a copy of the Psalms and Proverbs from the Moody Bible Commentary. That's a nice little book. So uh, we're going to come right back. Uh, That's a... uh, Uh, Just a reminder, we're going to come right back with more of your questions in just a moment. You're listening to Open Line, Moody Radio's Bible study across America. We'll be taking more of your questions about the scriptures, about the Savior, and about the spiritual life. Stay right there. I'm Michael Rydelnik, and I'll be right back. Welcome back to Open Line with me, Michael Rydelnik. I got a great story. A couple who listened to Open Line recently contacted me and told me that they had just become kitchen table partners, for which I was very grateful. They decided to give monthly to Open Line because they believed it was an investment in God's kingdom, they said. And I am so grateful they believe that and they've acted on it. They told me and this is what I thought was interesting, that they were praying that the Lord would double the number of kitchen table partners so that it could double the impact of an open line. I'm so grateful for this generous couple who have great vision and great desires for the Lord's work. So I was thinking about it. If, if the Lord is working in your life through open line, if it's helping you in your walk, if maybe you can be the answer to this couple's prayer. You can become a kitchen table partner too, so that uh, in the next few months we can double the impact of open line. That would be fantastic. Uh, 
when you do, every other week, if you decide to become a Kitchen Table Partner, I'll send you a Bible study moment that's an audio Bible study designed exclusively for our Kitchen Table Partners. Become a Kitchen Table Partner today by calling 888-644-7122 or sign up online at openlineradio.org. And we're going to go right back to the phones here to uh, Anna, listening in Georgia on WGNN. Welcome to Open Line, Anna. How can I help you? Hi there, uh, Michael Rodonik. God bless you. Thank you. Um, uh, the question I have, um, it's really in um, one of the scriptures says, uh, if you commit um, adultery or immorality, uh, God will judge. And the whole thing is that if God judges, then I, I know that I'm, I'm in a lot of, you know, that's not a good thing. And uh, every day I cry uh, because I feel like I've lost my, um, I just feel like I'm, I'm not saved anymore. And uh, but, um, what I've done, I kind of live a terrible life um, after I got saved. And then uh, later on, he was, um, I've really, uh, you know, I love the Lord now, share the gospel and um, in church and um so can I ask you a question? Uh, are, are are you still yeah. committing sexual immorality now that uh, you love the Lord Jesus? No, 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 no. no I hate even thought of it. No. So uh, are you telling me that when you trust in the Lord Jesus, He died for all your sins, past, present, and future, and was raised again, so you could have new life? But the one sin that's not covered by Him is the sin of sexual immorality. Okay, but I got a question. No, no. I, 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 wait before you before you get another question. You got to answer my question. Okay. No, I don't think that. Okay. That'd so put it that way. Yeah, you okay. can't you can't sin your way out of the kingdom. It's not possible. Uh, the Lord Jesus says this in John six thirty seven through forty that uh, that the the one everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and I will certainly not cast him or her out. And so obviously the Lord opened your heart, the Father opened your heart, and you came to Jesus, and he received you. Then the Lord Jesus said this, I have come not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose not one of them. Are you one of those that the Father has given the Son? Yes. Mm-hmm. If oh, you yes. could, if when the I, Lord uh, Jesus could lose you, do what you're saying. You're saying mm-hmm. that He is not who He claimed to be. That He is not the one who always does the Father's will. He always does the will of His Father. Okay, and I feel so creepy when I think of Abraham that he believed God. And it was accounted to him as righteousness. And then here I am denying, not denying, but not believing, just not but because of I feel um, uh, so condemned about, you know, and I just feel so bad that I'm sinning all over again, yeah. not believing. But yeah. Abraham. Okay, now think about Abraham. Uh, this is really important. Uh, Genesis chapter 15, verse 6 is where it says Abraham, I translate that, had believed in God. 
It's not just talking about at that moment, but he had previously believed in God. It's a pluperfect, I think, is how I would translate it. Uh, and it was credited to him for righteousness, right? Uh, and then chapter 16, that's when he gets involved with Hagar. So the question I have for you is, did Abraham lose his righteousness, his imputed righteousness from God? Uh, no, no. No. So neither did you. Now, here's the thing. Uh, sometimes we feel, we feel sick. Uh, we feel, uh, uh, what's that called again? What kind of pain is that? Uh, psychosomatic pain, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but is it sure. real? No, it's not. What you are having is psychosomatic or psychospiritual guilt. Now, certainly when we sin, we should feel guilty. But if you have confessed that to the Lord and you still feel bad and still feel guilty, you are lying to yourself. What you have to do is accept what God has said, that every sin from past, present, and future. He's taken all our sins and cast them into the depths of the sea. He has forgiven you. It is the greatest gift that I know of that we don't have to live always in guilt because we have our great advocate. In 1 John chapter 2, verses, verse 1, it says, I write these things to you that you do not sin. But if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. Okay? Amen. Okay, Anna. You keep trusting him, okay? I will. Thank okay. you. Thank you so much for your call, Anna. Uh, okay, we're going to talk next with Wayne, listening in Lyle, Illinois, listening on WMBI. Welcome to Open Line, Wayne. I was going to call, I almost called you Lyle, but no, Wayne. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> no, to Open Line. Like How can I help you? I, I've I, been listening to you over the years. I just love your program. Thank so. you. Hey, hey, listen, um, I've been reading a lot of Scripture, and I'm trying to understand uh, when, when most of the time when I go to church, we, you know, we, we, get, we get told how much sinners we are and how mm-hmm. bad of sinners we are. We can't help it. And then I ran across uh, two verses, Psalm 19, 13, where David talks about, you know, to keep keep your servant from willful sins that they may not rule over me, then I will become blameless. And I remember back, you know, Noah became, Noah was blameless. Abraham was required to become blameless. And then you couple that with 1 John 3, 6, where John says, no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. So I guess the question I have is we we are told all the time how bad a sinners we are and we can't help it. But in fact, there are verses where it seems to be a pursuit of blamelessness is, is what we should be doing. And some people in the scriptures seem to have achieved blameless, uh, being blameless. Can you help are, me understand? Are you saying that there are uh, people who achieve sinless perfection? No, uh, no, I and that—that's the distinction. There must, there's probably a distinction between being blameless and being perfect. Yeah. Well, you look at Psalm nineteen thirteen. What is David saying? 
Keep your servant from willful sins. Do not let them rule over me. Then I will be innocent. That's how my version translates it. And notice, and cleansed from blatant rebellion. Uh, He doesn't see himself as succeeding, but God being successful in cleansing him and keeping him blameless uh, or innocent. And then uh, before you look at 1 John 3, and I'm not saying this to excuse sin, I am certainly not, but I am saying this if we're going to be honest. Here's what it says uh, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Then verse 10. If we say we don't have any sin, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Obviously, we keep sinning as followers of Jesus uh, verse 9 tells us what to do about it, First John 1, 9. If we agree with God, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins. That's not eternal forgiveness. That's a restoration of fellowship. So what does he mean in First John 3, verse 6, where it says everyone who believes, that's what abides means, remains in him, who has a genuine faith in him does not sin, Everyone who sins has not seen him or known him. You can look at verse 9. Everyone who has been born of God does not sin. It's talking about becoming a believer. What does that mean? Well, here's what it means. It means that we, it's, it's grammarians would call it a customary or habitual present. I call it the lifestyle present. That's a good way of thinking of it. Everyone who remains or abides in him, does not live a habitual lifestyle of sin. Verse 9, everyone who has been born of God does not live a lifestyle of ignoring God and sinfulness. Do we still sin? You bet. But do we just basically uh, accept the gift of heaven and live like hell? No. No. <laughs> no, no, we don't. What we no, do we is we are allowing him to transform us. And if someone thinks that, oh, I believe in Jesus, so now I can live any way I like and and not practice, uh, not live for him, it demonstrates that we really don't understand who he is. Do you, you see what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I, I see what you mean. And, you know, the, I, I use the NIV version. Mm-hmm. And when they say they cannot, they cannot go on sinning. You're saying that's willful, willful, habitual, li- even willful. You could do, but the habitual oh, yeah, lifestyle yeah. where there's uh, God not working at all, not correcting at all, uh, uh, just you know, just ignoring the Lord. That's that's not what it's talking about. It's saying that, it's saying that when we know the Lord, we're not going to live that way. Yeah, I. I I I agree with that. So mm-hmm. that yeah. that does help clarify. That does help clarify. Yeah, but the thing that we're not going to say it, is that that we're going to be perfectly sinless because that's not possible. Uh, not no, no, not until we're glorified, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. I just know that over the years, so many times we all we hear how much of the sinner we are, 
And I don't, I rarely or have ever heard these verses on pursuing righteousness. I mean, this is kind of the pursuit of righteousness, or maybe I'm off base on that. No, I think it's great to pursue holiness. I I think we should pursue holiness. Uh, But we also, I think one of the things that we need to remember when it comes uh, to where we're at spiritually is we ought to be remembering what the Bible teaches about us is that we have imputed righteousness. And what that means is uh, that we have the righteousness of Jesus. We don't have our own righteousness. When God looks at us, he doesn't look at us as we are, uh, but he, the Lord Jesus imputes his righteousness to us when we believe in him, and God declares us righteous. I think too often we think of ourselves too much as sinners and not enough as people who have been declared righteous, who have the Holy Spirit indwelling us, who have the imputed righteousness of Jesus. What I want my life to look like is in conformity with how God sees me, which is as someone who has the righteousness of Jesus. Okay? That's a great clarification. That's a great clarification. Yeah. So, hey, appreciate your insights. Hey, Wayne or Lyle. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for your call. And uh, you keep you keep living for him. That's going to be the greatest thing. He's going to reward that. So, uh, well, we're going to come right back with more of your questions. In fact, you've sent some into the mailbag, and Trisha's lined them up. So we're going to talk about those in just a moment. Stay with me. This is Michael Radelnik on Open Line. Welcome back to Open Line. Uh, well, joining me right now is Trisha McMillan. And Trisha, you're picking the questions, but I don't think you're co- making the people call with these questions. I'm not. No. no. But I wanted to say there have been so many questions um, today just about um, our salvation and how do you, how can you be assured that you have salvation and can you lose your salvation and um like i'm thinking about um i think it was anna and then wayne's question and we have emails about this and and it is a it is it's one of the biggest questions we get questions we get but but there are still you know two or three more questions of people on the line (laughs) waiting who have those and we will not get to all of those but i did want to let everyone know that we recorded a program on Thursday, so just two days ago, talking the whole two hours about the security of the believer and the questions and the problem uh, texts that that make us ask, like Anne was asking about Exodus. Um, I'm sorry, Ezekiel. Ezekiel. Um, and and so some of those texts we kind of talked through, but we just it's a very encouraging program and a very good conversation with. You and, and Eva. Eva Rydelnik, which mm-hmm. makes it always a great program. So uh, right there. Yeah, right, right there. <laughs> and, and Dr. Mike Van Lanningham, mm-hmm. co-editor of the Moody Bible Commentary, mm-hmm. and Dr. Cisco 
Koto, mm-hmm. who's uh, started. He's a pastor in the area. A lot of people in, in the Chicago, Chicago area, area know Cisco because he was he is on the local news radio station mm-hmm. as the morning anchor. But he also is a professor at Moody starting this August. He'll and be he teaching. went to Moody Theological Seminary. Yes, and, and Talbot. And so mm-hmm. it's it's a great program that will be on in two weeks on July twenty second. So. Mark your calendars yeah. or just listen like normal. Yeah. But it'll be a recorded program, so you won't be able to call. But it is a great program. Um, I was encouraged after listening to it. And and seeing the calls and emails today, I just wanted to make sure that we let you know that that program will be on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. I, I will, you know, periodically we'll do a program about a kind of a practical theological issue. Mm-hmm. That's what that is. It's a practical and a doctrinal teaching issue. Yeah. And, uh, but it's so practical. And I, I kind of picked a, a dream team there of, of favorite people to talk with about that and had a great time with it. And we're looking forward to airing that. Yeah. So, okay. Well, you got some yes, we paper do. questions. Mailbag. I feel them right there. Okay. Um, Chris emailed from Tennessee, listens to WFCM. Matthew ten twenty eight is a sobering statement about fearing him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Who is Jesus' warning addressed to? Well, in Matthew 10, I think it's pretty clear uh, that he's talking to believers. He's talking to his disciples, right? Because if you look at the context, he says in verse 16, uh, well, it says in verse 5, Jesus sent these 12 after giving them instructions, and then the instructions begin. So these are the people he sent out. Verse 16, look, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. And it goes on. Uh, And then it says in verse 26, don't be afraid of them since there is nothing covered that won't be uncovered and nothing hidden that won't be made known. And he tells them, don't fear those who kill the body but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body and hell. Now, he's not saying be afraid that you will go to hell. What he is saying is people who threaten our lives when we proclaim the gospel, we shouldn't be afraid of them. What we have to be afraid of is, is the God who is able to send someone to heaven or to hell, uh, that the, the ultimate judge, the true judge, is who we have to uh, we have to have the fear of God, not the fear of man. By the way, Proverbs: the fear of man brings a snare, but the fear of God is the beginning of life, the beginning of wisdom. So that's what it's talking about. It's not saying that we have to fear going to hell if we are followers of Jesus. It's saying that we have to fear the one who is the judge. Okay. All mm-hmm. right. Thank you for that question, Chris. Next question is from Martha in Tennessee, also listens to WFCM. Why is it that Jesus so often tells people after he heals them to tell no one, mm-hmm. as he does in Matthew 8, 4? We're hanging out in Matthew a lot today yeah. with these questions. But um, he even tells his disciples to tell no one that he's the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Why, why does it seem like he doesn't want anyone to know? This is called the Messianic Secret, and people are often ask about this. One of the big issues that you write about in New Testament theology uh, seems to me uh, a good place of answering. It's not after a healing, it's after a testimony. 
you could see it in Matthew 16. It's when the Lord Jesus says to the disciples, who do you say that I am? After he said, what do other people say? Who do you say that I am? And Peter, this is Peter's great confession, verse 16, chapter 16, verse 16. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That's Matthew 16, 16. And Jesus said to uh, Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, you're blessed because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. Also I say to you, you're Peter. He, he talks about Peter's role because of that. And then verse 20, after this, he gave the disciples orders to tell no one that he was the Messiah. Wait, after they understand it, shouldn't they be out there proclaiming it? The answer is, from then on, Jesus began, verse 21, to point out to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, chief priests and scribes, and be killed and be raised the third day. So Peter goes from his great confession now to his great confusion. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Oh, no, Lord, this will never happen to you. Here's the great confusion. He thought, since I know he's the Messiah, he's going to establish his kingdom, not his kingdom right here on earth. Not that the Messiah is going to have to deal with the sinful issues and establish a spiritual kingdom first. And so he wants to say to the Lord Jesus, no, 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 you're not going to die. Now, what happens is this is the purpose of the Messianic secret. The Lord Jesus said what he didn't want them to do is to go out, let everyone know that the Messiah has come, and everyone's going to start thinking that the kingdom on earth is going to begin right now, uh, that the Romans are going to be kicked out, that Israel is going to be uh, placed at the head of the nations, and the Messiah is going to rule from Jerusalem, and all the things that were expected. He knew that there were spiritual issues that need to be dealt with first, that he was going to provide an atonement for sin, that he was going to have to die, to be crucified, be raised again. And so that's why he told them in verse 20, don't go saying what you know already, because even though you know it, you misunderstand what the significance is of it. And if you go proclaim this all through Israel, they're going to misunderstand as well. So I think that's the purpose of the Messianic secret. Okay. And that goes the same for those that he healed? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Don't tell anyone. Because said... Isaiah 35, the Messianic era, is all these healings that you see in Matthew 8 and 9. And, uh, and they're like, oh, wait. Uh, oh, the Messiah is here. Let's expect the kingdom. He's going to be a political leader. He's yeah. going to take over Rome and all of the yeah, things. exactly. Okay. All right. Thank you for that. I hope that helps, Martha. And then last question for this um, mm -hmm. hour. Mm -hmm. Ruth in Florida listens to WRMB. What is the purpose of the millennial kingdom? Uh, so that you can have uh, special pets. You can <laughs> like have a, lions you, and lambs. And yeah, lions and lambs in the same pasture. Okay. That's why. No, uh, it's first of all to fulfill God's promises to Abraham, uh, that one of the purposes of the millennial kingdom is to fulfill all the promises he made to Israel. So far, even the, the boundaries of the land of Israel have never been fulfilled, even da under David, under Solomon. No matter what, how big they were, 
the the boundaries of the land of Israel that God gave to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are from the river of Egypt, which is the Wadi El Arish, down by the northern part of the Sinai Peninsula, all the way up to the Euphrates River. It's never been that far. And so he has these promises to fulfill. Uh, In Deuteronomy 29, it talks about, I'll make you the head to Israel, not the tail. He's going to make Israel the head of the nations. He's going to uh, enable Israel to fulfill its calling. In Zechariah 8.23, it says that 10 men from every nation will grasp the garment of a Jew and say, let us go with you for God is in your midst. So Israel will finally function as a kingdom of priests mediating the knowledge of God to the nations. So it's it's to fulfill God's promises to Israel, but also, I believe, it's to establish God's righteous reign on earth through the Messiah. And then, at the end, there will be people born in the millennial kingdom, people who reproduce, and these people will have to come to faith. They will have to put their trust in, in the king uh, for their salvation. And some will, and some won't. And even with Satan bound, as soon as he's released, these people who still wouldn't believe, even with Satan bound, are going, when he's unbound, they'll participate in one last rebellion. And the reason I believe God wanted to show is that to demonstrate to us that the reason we sin is not because of Satan. The reason people don't believe is not just because Satan has blinded the eyes of people so that they can't see the truth. It is inherent within us our own sinful flesh, our own sinful nature that keeps us from believing. The very cure we need of to trust in the Lord Jesus is the very thing that we reject because of it. So uh, no, no. at the end of the millennium, there won't be any excuse to say, the devil made me do it. Uh, it's, it's, it, is, uh, it, it shows who we are in relationship to God in, in the end. Mm. So, yeah. But the way that people would be saved in the millennial in the millennial kingdom is still the same way, same as ever, saved today by believing that Jesus died for their sins and rose again, trusting in His redemption for us. That's it, always. Now the people who enter the kingdom will all be believers, but they will be marrying and having uh, children. Children and those children will have to trust in the Lord. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yep. All right, that'll be an interesting time. <laughs> yeah, it'll be very interesting with him reigning right there, and they yeah. still there'll be some who won't believe. It's yeah. amazing when you think about it. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So. Hmm. Anyway. All right. Well, thank you for that question, Ruth. Yeah. Hey, Tricia, thanks for putting those together. And again, remember, in two weeks we're going to air a special program about God's faithfulness to the believer, His security. We're going to come right back with a few more questions on the phone, so don't go away. You're listening to Open Line with Tricia McMillan and Michael Redelnik. Welcome back to Open Line. My name is Michael Rydelnik. I've had a great time studying the scriptures with you this this morning, and I hope uh, that, that uh, you found it encouraging. Uh, I want to tell you about this month's free gift from Chosen People Ministries. People often tell me that they've only learned about this international outreach to Jewish people through my mentioning it here on Open Line. Well, this month, Chosen People Ministries is offering a booklet It's called To an Ancient People, and it will give you a great insight into this organization. It's the autobiography 
of Rabbi Leopold Kohn. It tells his story, the trials and triumphs of a young rabbi from Hungary who in the late 19th century had a quest for truth and sought the Messiah. He came to the new world and he found Jesus, Yeshua, his Messiah. It's told in detail. It's a great story. Rabbi Kohn went on to found Chosen People Ministries. If you'd like a free copy of To an Ancient People, just go to the Open Line website. That's openlineradio.org. Scroll down, you'll see a link that says a free gift from Chosen People Ministries. When you click on that, you'll be taken to a page and you can sign up for your own copy of To an Ancient People. Okay, we're going to speak with Debbie in Somerville, South Carolina, listening on WCDC. Welcome to Open Line, Debbie. How can I help you? Thank you, Dr. Rydelnik. I really appreciate your program. And I wish I had your commentary in my hands right now. (laughs) I probably wouldn't have to ask this, but I've been trying to research the Song of Solomon almost all day yesterday because I'm reading through the Bible um, Mm -hmm. this year, and I had never really studied this book. Um, And I'm reading commentary from my ESV introduction and also the study notes and also from the Bible recap, if you're familiar with that, mm-hmm. by Tara Lee Cobble. But um, there seems to be a lot of <laughs> different well, opinions. Just go ahead with your question. Instead, instead of talking about all the opinions, do you have a question? Yes. Do you believe that Solomon and the Shunammite woman are the ones talked about in Song of Solomon and the ones who are married. Yeah, yeah, I do believe that. Uh, I believe it's Solomon early on uh, before he fell into his sin. Uh, Now, do you have a Moody Bible commentary? I do not. Okay, well, you (laughs) hang on. We're going to send you one. Uh, and then it'll it'll help you out a little bit, okay? But yes, that's who I think it is. It's Solomon with his ideal perspective about marriage, uh, even before his failures. It was er, now he may not have written it, but it, that's what it reflects: the early Solomon. Okay. Okay. Thanks for your call, so Debbie. You, you this is a lightning be- round, so I got to move on. Thank you so much. We're going to talk to Mary in Chicago, listening on WMBI. Welcome to Open Line, Mary. How can I help Good you? Good morning, Doctor. Um, not sure how you can do this in a lightning round, but okay. my question is, how does it work? The Lord told us that He would grant anything we prayed for that was in accordance with His will, and we know the Word says that He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But, you know, when you're praying for years and years and years for someone and there's no progress, I'm just wondering, is it possible that the Lord just does not override a stubborn person's free will. Okay, so you're praying for someone to come to know him. When it says uh, in Second uh, Peter that he's not willing that any should perish, he's not talking about God's decree. It's talking about God's desire. God's desire is that not that any should perish, but that all should come to a knowledge of the truth. But he doesn't decree that. Uh, if we know his heart, that's his heart. But he doesn't uh, decree that. He doesn't force, he doesn't turn us into robots. Uh, and so, but what I would say is if there's a loved one that you have and you've been praying for that person to come to know the Lord, 
I think there's a lot of people who feel the same way, just as you do. I would just say, keep praying. Keep that loving relationship open. Uh, you don't know, maybe not even in your life uh, span, but it could vary. Now, the, the guarantee of that everything we ask doesn't mean that everything we ask will happen. It means that everything that we ask is in his name or in accordance with his will. Uh, and so we just keep uh, praying, asking God to open hearts. Don't quit. Keep the relationship open. Don't get frustrated. Uh, be faithful in praying and in asking God to open this loved one's heart. That's that's what I would say. Okay, Mary? Okay, thanks. It's just confusing to me because surely it is God's will that this God, person would come there's back. There's a distinction know? between God's desires and his decree, his desires that they would come to know him. But uh, God, I don't know that the... I don't understand the mystery of election and how it is that some people believe and some people don't. Uh, but it, it is sort of a combination of God's sovereign will and also a person's faith response. So I can't, I, I can't explain that. I am telling you this, okay, and this is really important. Stay faithful in prayer. Trust that God will work, and uh, it may not even be in your earthly lifespan, but stay faithful and keep that relationship open, Mary. Okay? I'm uh, trying. And, yeah. and you're right, by the way. That, that, <laughs> that, that's not a question for the lightning round, but I'm still glad that we talked about it. So... Uh, but I can't tell you how it is that God works in someone's life. I know that he does and that he may very well be counting on you to be praying for this person. That, that may be what he has ordained more than anything else, your faithful prayers. Okay? So don't quit. Uh, be like that woman with the unjust judge. Now, God is not unjust, so you keep praying. Okay? Okay. Well... That's the program for the week, and thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for Mary and for all of you who called and sent in your questions. Thanks for making Open Line possible. And I'm grateful for today's Open Line team, uh, for Courtney Young for her engineering work, and Mara for answering the phones, and for Tricia, as always, being our producer. Remember, keep in touch by going to our webpage, openlineradio.org. All those links are there for you. You can check out our current resource. You can see how to become a kitchen table partner. Keep reading the Bible. We'll talk about it next week. Open Line with Dr. Michael Rodelnik is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Have a great weekend.